soon as New Hampshire voters head to the polls. The Republican Party looks to be coalescing right now around Trump once again. In the final days leading up to this primary, the former president receiving a slew of endorsements, including from those members of his party who once criticized him. What we want to see from our president is clarity and moral authority, and that moral authority is compromised. If you want four more years of Donald Trump, let me hear you scream! Would you ever do business with Donald Trump? Uh, I don't think so. I would... I just think that it's important that you're uh, judged by the company you keep. There's one candidate in this race that understands how to make our nation more secure, our nation more prosperous. It's the person who did it when he was president before. That's Donald J. Trump. You can be the most worthless Republican in America, but if you kiss the ring, he'll say you're wonderful. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear. I believe we need to hold the president accountable. I hold him accountable for the events that transpired, for the attack on our capital. Everything was better under Trump by every measurement. Joining us now, New York Times national political correspondent Shane Goldmacher and New York Times political correspondent Michael Bender. He is the author also of, frankly, we did win this election, the inside story of how Trump lost. Just seeing that is like, wow. The question, Michael, is does do those endorsements, Trump pulled them all on the stage here mm -hmm. last night, do, do they make a difference here? Um, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I do think it does lend a little bit of credence to Trump's inevitability argument and definitely demonstrates for voters uh, once again for, uh, you know, the, 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 the millionth time in the last eight years of what a hold he has on the Republican Party. I mean, that montage shows um, how little options, how few options Republicans uh, have once they, uh, you know, decide not to run. It's, uh, it, it, yeah. it's, it's, does seem like another Trump train here. I mean, that interview with, that uh, Chuck Todd did with yeah. Doug Burgum wasn't even that long ago, by the way. I want you to listen, uh, Shane, to Norm. Norm is a voter here, and I think he represents perhaps a lot of folks who are supporting Trump. Here's what he told Omar earlier this morning after he cast his vote for Trump. Listen. We've been a Trump supporter. We weren't too happy with how he behaved. It seems like he might have changed that a little bit. So we figured to give him another chance. Yeah, you weren't you can too. Only go for four anyway. So yeah, you weren't too happy with how he behaved. Uh... Well, sometimes he behaved like a child, and you know. But then again, we didn't hire him to be a personality. We hired him to get the job done. And how do you think he changed? Uh, you know, from as you say, behaving like a child. Well, I think he's trying to contain himself now. You think that represents a lot more folks than just Norm? I mean, I think that tells you why Donald Trump is dominating this yeah. primary, right? There are a lot of Republican voters who liked the way Donald Trump behaved. And if he is winning to people who think he behaved like a child, that tells you why he's winning 50% of the vote in, in the early states. It tells you why he's at 70% of the vote in a lot of these national polls. There was potentially an opening for a non-Trump candidate, I think, this year. Uh, and it was among people who thought they didn't like him as a person, they didn't like his behavior, but maybe they liked some of his policies. That was the argument that Ron DeSantis made. But look, on an election day, if the voters who think yeah. he behaved badly still want to vote for him. But the fact that you're speaking in the past tense says a lot. You're saying there was. There was Nikki a Nikki Haley's like, I am here. 
she is she is still trying to make that case. Uh, but what you've seen is that it hasn't resonated so far, and this is one of the last places she's going to have a strong chance to make yeah. it because of the way the electorate is, is set up here. Michael, she says she is in it no matter what happens here through, you know, she's going to her home state, and, but that's, like, not next week. Yeah. It's in a matter of weeks, which maybe makes this more challenging for her. Governor Sununu, very popular governor here, endorsed Haley, said last night to Anderson, she doesn't have to win New Hampshire. In fact, he said New Hampshire has never been a must-win for Haley, it's a must-win for Trump. Mm -hmm. Is that right or backwards? Um, well, I mean, Trump is half of his sort of um, uh, image is that of a winner. So a, a loss for him would be um, uh, pretty stunning and and um, and hurt him. Trump is not going to drop out uh, after uh, if he loses in New Hampshire. That, that's for sure. But Haley has a, definitely has a different calculus. There's a month to go until the uh, South Carolina primary, as you mentioned. It's her home state. Uh, the polls are not great there. And to um, to head into South Carolina with anything less than a win, knowing she's going to face a very uh, painful uh, uh, campaign push from, from Trump and his super PAC on air in her home state, um, you know, she, she's gonna, she would have a lot to weigh if it's a if it's not a victory or very close win tonight. Polls are one thing; they matter. But what matters today, all that matters today, is the votes. And from mm -hmm. we, from what we've been hearing, Shane, from voters talking to our reporters on the ground since 5 a.m. this morning, is you know, uh, if they're not supporting Nikki Haley, it's not I don't agree with her, but it's I like her butt, and I just think that is pretty telling. I wonder what you think. <clears throat> I think that is telling, and I think when you talk about the weight for, for South Carolina, it's worth looking at what has happened to date, which is this campaign has really been based in New Hampshire and before that in Iowa. I actually looked at the spending from her super PAC. They spent $71 million, 99.9% .9 of that money has been in those two states, right? So this is the place where she has made her case most strongly. This is the place where her allies have aired television ads. You can't get away from them or online ads. So if this is not a place where she's gotten traction, just like for right. Ron DeSantis in Iowa, if you don't get traction in the place where you've made your biggest investments, it's hard to say where you will. And more favorable to Absolutely, you, given yeah. what undeclared voters yeah. can do here, given the more moderate electorate here. I think that's an important point. I mean, this, you know, in, in, Trump, in a general election, we've seen how Trump is a motivating factor for Democrats to show up. We haven't seen that uh, inside the Republican Party, even in a state with a lot of independents. Uh, I talked to one person who is a, a active Republican. Uh, he worked for Jeb Bush back in 2016 against Trump. That kind of Republican who is for Haley and said his, his Nikki Haley sign is sitting in his garage. That he just feels like this is there's a certain inevitability here. A former state chairman uh, is, is supporting. Haley and says like he won't go on not a, but not enough to go on social media and defend her not enough to tell his friends and family to come out to the polls so that enthusiasm I mean it, it, here's where it's uh, you know we'll see today uh, that was uh, what, reflected what in our poll the enthusiasm for Trump here is way higher than yeah. for Nikki Haley thank you both we got a big day ahead we appreciate it